0: If you have your Bibles, if you would go with me, please, to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And Good to see all our guests this morning. God bless you. Safe travels. Amen. Romans 12, chapter number 1. Just two verses. But really, we could have easily made a two-part message here. Because they're two weighty Verses meaty verses, verses of great substance. Romans 12, verse 1, I I beseech you, therefore, brethren, I urge you. God says, I make an appeal to you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies, you offer your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove or demonstrate what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We'll use as a title this morning, a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice. Father, we thank you for your word. Give us ears to hear and hearts to receive. Help us, Father, to hear this word and to apply it to the right now of our lives, that we might respond faithfully and obediently, walking before you, pleasing you in all that we do. In Jesus' name and everyone said. A living sacrifice, God's will, God's desire, for every person who calls themselves a Christian is that they become living sacrifices. Now we have to remember, we're not our own. We've been bought with a price. The precious blood of Jesus was shed for us and now heaven appeals, urgently calls to us that we would respond to such mercy and grace by giving ourselves or becoming living sacrifices pleasing unto God. Now, a living sacrifice means a a constant, a, a continuous sacrifice, not just an occasional offering, Or in every now and again, devotion or dedication. But a living sacrifice. That's a person that dedicates their their body, their whole being. To live for God daily and continually. R.C. Sproul put it like this. An offering of our whole self for our whole life. It's a 24-7 thing. That wherever this body goes, it's a living sacrifice unto the Lord. Whether it's in the shop or it's out on the lake. Whether it's in the home or it's out at the store. Certainly in the sanctuary. But but wherever I go as a child of God, Father says, offer yourself to me for my service and for my glory. In view of all God has accomplished for His people in Christ. How should His people live? They should present, offer themselves as God's living sacrifices. Given over fully to the service of God. For the animal sacrifices of yesteryear, of an earlier day, we know were rendered absolutely obsolete by the self-sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. In fact, the Bible says He died once for all the just, for the unjust to bring us To God. And now that we have been brought to God. We are to give our lives fully over to God. To serve Him and to please Him. That we are to be a man and women that are pure in our morality. Obedient in our living. And faithful in our service. Before I even go any further. Mark this down. He's not talking to the world. He's talking to the church. He is talking to those that have received Christ. So once they receive Christ, now He's saying in view of everything that we just talked about at communion, in view of everything we just sung about in those beautiful songs of the goodness and greatness of God, in view of all that, respond how? By giving yourself wholeheartedly to serve Him and to love Him and to walk obediently to Him. A living sacrifice. Let us begin with, number one, a sincere and continual commitment to Christ. Now this commitment, this Response to be a living sacrifice begins with a response to an appeal. I beseech ye, therefore, I beseech you. I appeal to you. I'm calling to you. See, God is calling everyone that says I'm a Christian. Well, God is calling us to this place of life, to this place of devotion, to this place of consistently and wholeheartedly serving God. God is calling us to this. And through the Apostle Paul, heaven is making His appeal to His church, to His people. It's an apostolic appeal. I beseech thee, I urge you. NIV, I urge you, brethren. Therefore, in light of God's mercy, in light of all that God has done for us, we must devote ourselves to Him. Heaven's appeal, again, to the Christian. Not writing it to the lost. He's saying, I implore you, I urge you, I I beg of you, devote yourselves and live all out for God. Don't be ashamed of the Gospel. Don't live compromisingly in any way. But in our practical lives, walk it out. Live it out daily as a sacrifice to God. Paul appeals to every believer for action which starts with a decision. It requires a decision. Being a living sacrifice starts as I hear the appeal from heaven. And I make a decision to respond to God. And then that decision has to be turned into a determination. Because there will be many things that try to slow me down or knock me off course. Or, or take the fire out of my flame. But then a decision becomes a determination. And then it must be. It must be a daily discipline. As I enforce And carry out the decision that I've made. He's saying to the church in Rome. Now that you have said yes to Jesus Christ. Now that you are beginning to understand how wonderful, marvelous is the great salvation you have. All that God has done. All that God has offered in Christ. Therefore, this should be your response. Don't serve Him half-heartedly. Serve Him wholeheartedly. Don't just serve Him on Sunday and live like the devil the rest. Serve Him 24-7, wherever you're at. Serve Him and love Him and obey Him and make Jesus Lord of all. Can you say amen? God appeals. It starts with an appeal. I beseech you. I urge you. I call you, brethren. God appeals to each one of us that considers himself a Christian, a believer. Be living sacrifices. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your strength. Serve the Lord with your whole life, not just part of it. And daily, continually walk with the Lord and work out this salvation with fear and with trembling. Heaven's call to each one of us this morning that considers himself a Christian is become a living sacrifice in your response to the goodness of God. A living sacrifice is God's will, but of course, listen, it can't be forced. That's why heaven's making the appeal. In the words that Paul uses it's really not a command. It's earnest and it has epistolic authority, but he knows certain things. You cannot command it. You can urge. You can, from the heart, appeal. You can show the seriousness of the request, but it's up to the individual to respond to that call. So, number one, through the apostle Paul, God makes his appeal to the church, to believers, to not just be nominal, not just be lukewarm, not just be, but wholeheartedly live for God with all your heart. But secondly, the the, the commitment to be a living sacrifice. Is in a response not just to an appeal, but to an assessment. He's saying, Now think about this for a moment. Evaluate this. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember and think upon all I've done and how much I've given. There's that word, therefore. I beseech you, brethren, therefore, by the mercies of God, therefore. Pointing us backward to all that He's written, those are previous 11 chapters about the goodness and greatness of God, His plan of salvation. Therefore, in light of the great salvation and great salvation plan that God has given us, that Paul has just unfolded through the sacred pen to us, all the mercies and the benefits that have been granted to us through Jesus Christ, let us respond appropriately. You see, in this wonderful book, Of Romans. What a book. It is one of the meatiest, um, richest books about our inheritance. About God's plan of salvation. About the spiritual riches we have in Christ. And Paul is saying, listen, assess what you have. And act in the light of it. Think about all that I have just written in these past 11 chapters. Just, Just a glancing over that great book of Romans over those previous chapters. It's enough. I wanted to say it's enough to make a Presbyterian shout, but I don't want to make fun of the Presbyterians. It's enough to make a dry Pentecostal rejoice. Can you say amen? I mean, when you begin to study the Word of God and you begin to see how wonderful is the love of God, how good God's been to us, how great this salvation is that all of us share, that love the Lord, that we didn't deserve and we couldn't earn, but God in His mercy gave it. It should bring a response To love him and serve him and never be ashamed of him. Can you say amen? Amen. Romans, it talks about powerful truths and precious promises. It speaks about the divine revelation, the assurances of our, our eternal destiny and our great salvation in Jesus Christ. The book of Romans is quite a book. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to all that believe. That's Romans 1. Oh, if you know Jesus and you've experienced a powerful salvation, a salvation that transformed us, and we're not the same anymore. Can you say amen? It's the book of Romans that says that though the wages of sin is death, Romans 3, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Have you received that gift? Have oh, it's a gift of God. We have eternal life. It's a beautiful thing in Romans 5 that we have now peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ. That we are no longer at war with God. We are no longer at odds with God. But because of the blood of Jesus, we have peace with God. We are sons of God. Oh, what a thought, what a thought, what a thought! Romans 5 tells us, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we were just doing our own thing, God loved us even then. When we were in rebellion and trying to forget God and run from God, even then He gave His very, very best. What a book, the book of Romans It says in Romans 8 and 1, There is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Aren't you glad this morning that there's no more condemnation over what you were and what you did and the times behind us? But the blood, the blood, the blood has washed us and made us whiter than snow. And now in Jesus Christ, there's no more condemnation, no more accusation, no more intimidation. We walk as sons and daughters righteous in the eyes of our God. What a wonderful book. Romans, Romans 8, for all things, work together for good for them that love God. Oh, now there's a promise to put your head on every night. There's a promise like a pillow. Put your head on at night to face life. How about uh, nothing can separate us from the love of God? Romans 8, Romans 8. How about in all these things? In our trials and tribulations? In our storms and in our setbacks. and all these things. We're more than conquerors through Him who loved us. It. It's Romans. It's all Romans. Therefore, after such revelation, after such great inheritance, after explaining such a wonderful salvation, therefore, let us offer ourselves as living sacrifices to God. It starts out, heaven appeals. God is calling us. Don't be lukewarm. Don't just be the casual Christian. Give God your best. He gave His best for you. And and Paul says, listen, because I can't, God can't force you. And Paul says, I can't force you. So with the appeal, just make an assessment. Think about it with me. Think about the great mercy and the benefits and the wonderful grace that God has given us. Assess it and act in light of it. And then from that assessment, there should be a response of appreciation. Think about it. A living sacrifice flows from us in appreciation. The mercies of God are the basis of heaven's appeal. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God. What we do, us that love the Lord, is not trying to earn His mercies. It's in a response to His mercy. Whereas the lost and the ungodly and the heathen try to appease God by acts of sacrifice hoping to obtain mercy. Not such a thing. We're the Christian. We live the way we live because of the mercies of God. It's because we understand His love. We appreciate His sacrifice. We've experienced this salvation. That's why we live like we live. We're not trying to earn it. We're responding because of it. Can you say amen? It's not because I'm trying to live right that he, you know, he'll, he won't hit me. It's because He loved me and He hit His Son instead of me that I respond living wholly and obediently and wholeheartedly for Him. Somebody say amen. amen. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, by the mercies of God. I appeal to you by the mercies of God. I'm calling you. Heaven is calling us to live wholeheartedly. Not to earn it, but because of it. The mercies of God are the basis of this appeal. Our motivation for giving ourselves wholly to God is the mercy which He has demonstrated towards us. God has been so good to us. God has done so much for us. Sometimes it's good just to sit back and think about the goodness of the Lord to think of how far He's brought you and for all the things He's taken you through. To think how compassionate and forgiving and patient He's been with every one of us. We've fallen, but He didn't leave us there. He picked us up. We missed the mark, but He didn't just throw us aside and give up on us. He extended a hand of mercy and grace that we could get back into this race. It's good sometimes just to sit back and think about the goodness and the mercy of God and let that move us to seek God and love God and wholeheartedly run after God. Can you say amen? Paul said, It's the love of God that compels me. He says, Man, I live like I live because I'm, I have a revelation of the love and the mercy of God in my life, and it's the only proper response I can have. Amen. We've got a reason to shout, we've got a reason to praise His name, we've got a reason. To tell others we've got a reason to testify. We've got a reason to live pure and holy in a very unpure and unholy world. We have a reason. We love Him because He first loved us. By the mercies of God. The mercies of God. Titus 3 and 5. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy. He saved us. I wasn't saved because I did a lot of good things. I couldn't do enough good things to to, to earn the mercy of God. Mercy. Oh my, mercy saved me. Mercy saved you. Uh, You might have been born in the back pew. Mercy saved you. There's none righteous. No, not one. Mercy saved you. And it's the mercy that saved us that ought to motivate us to love God and serve God and never to be ashamed of God. Can you say amen? Look, Ephesians 2 and 4. Ephesians 2 and 4. Where, where Paul was just saying, hey, we were dead and we were under wrath and we should have got what we deserve. But God! Woo! But God! Someone say, but God. but God. But God! Previous verses just said how I deserve judgment. And I did. I deserved wrath. I did. So did you, if you know your Bible. But God, who is rich in mercy, hey, there's mercy for you. You might have lived like a louse. There's mercy for you. You might have been living terrible now. There's mercy for you. You might be living an adulteress. There's mercy for you. You might be hiding. There's mercy for you. If you'll come down and say, Jesus, have mercy on my soul. He's rich in mercy. Come on, say amen. Oh, He's not cheap in mercy. He's not sparse with His mercy. He's rich and He's generous. He's a God that's full of mercy. But God, who is rich in mercy and great in love, has made us alive in Christ Jesus. It's been mercy that spared me and mercy that saved me. And it should be mercy that propels me to live for Jesus, to love Jesus, to serve Him faithfully and continually with all that is within me. Somebody say Amen. Hallelujah! Calling for a living sacrifice. Calling for people that say, Lord, I'm going to give you my all. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 Jeremiah, weeping, weeping. The prophet, things were so bad, he was weeping. He said at one point, I, I wish my head was a fountain so I could get these tears out. My heart is so broken, I'm weeping over the condition of the people of God and over what they're going through because they rebelled against God. Oh, he says, in fact, I'm amazed that God didn't just blot us out. I'm amazed that God just didn't forget us forever. But oh, it's through the Lord's mercies. Why aren't we consumed? It's for the Lord's mercies. Well, why didn't because the Lord's mercies we're not consumed? Because you know what folks? His compassions fail not. Isn't that beautiful? Now, as human beings, our compassions fail, but God's compassions fail not. As human beings, sometimes we say enough is enough, but the goodness of God says, my compassions they fail not. I'm going to say it again. If you went into the sound of my voice, you don't got to hide it. You don't got to deny it. If you'll come clean about it, you'll find a God who is rich in mercy and compassions never fail. He loves you. He'll forgive you and He'll transform you, but you got to respond to the call. You've got to say yes to the invitation his um, passions fail not great is his faithfulness look at that next line oh they are new every morning great is God's faithfulness. are you glad God's faithful that means when you wake up tomorrow his mercy will be there that means when the next month comes and you feel terrible and it seems like your best friend walked out of you God will be there full of mercy flowing with compassion great in his faith what a God we serve I urge you, I appeal to you, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, by the mercies of God. No, not by the holiness of God. And God is holy, and he wants us to be holy. But the appeal is not because of that. God's smarter than that. I'm appealing because of my goodness. I've been good to you. I've been so good to you. I've been real good to you. I could have left you alone. When you were trying to run from me, I could have let you run. You'd be on your sixth wife. I could have let you go. You'd have a disease. I could have let you go. That's right. She she you could you could have been aborted, but I but I wouldn't let my mama, mama go. None no, the mercies of God. Uh, we we act like we're something. We, sometimes we act like we're we're hang on. If it wasn't for the Lord's mercies, we would all be consumed because his compassions fail. Not. They are new every morning. Brother, I need them every morning. Come on. Amen. I'm thankful they're new every morning. Ain't that right? You're not going to call up. This line is down. That line is never down. The compassion and mercy of God. Newer? Great. Hallelujah. God is calling to His people. This is not a message to the lost. It's a message to the people of God, to those that have put their faith in Christ. To those that have said yes to the Lord. But now God is calling us to live out that yes. Wholeheartedly and consistently and faithfully. Whereas the lost are prone to sacrifice in order to obtain mercy, we who know the Lord, who have tasted of His goodness and His grace, We worship Him. We serve Him in response or because of His great mercies. Our lifestyle is a response to the mercies of God. We come to God's house because God's been good to us. We give faithfully of ourselves. God's been good to us. We choose to live obediently because God's been good to us. The Apostle John put it like this, 1 John 4 and 19. We love him because he first loved us. You know, Dr. James Kennedy, he's with the Lord now, but most of you remember Dr. Kennedy. at that great church down at, um, what is it now, Fort Lauderdale. He said one time over radio, every believer, every believer in Christ should live the rest of his life as a P.S. I love you, God. and in light of all God's done for us, I believe Dr. Kennedy was right. God has called us to be living sacrifices, living consistently and continually, wholeheartedly under God. It starts with a response to an appeal. God is calling us to this. Not some old school legalistic Pentecostal preacher. God is calling us to this. Got to get that down in this generation. Ooh, Glory. Anything that makes us uncomfortable, we try to write off. You can't write off that book. Oh, you can't write off that book. Come on, say amen. Amen. Yeah, I gave you a good chance for an amen there. Next time, time a little better. (laughs) God is making this appeal, and we are to make an assessment. God has been good to us. God has been good to us. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. I look at Big Jim holding her hand. He's saying, God's been good to me. Amen. Amen. There you go. That's right. Now, you know that, right? You look at some of your girl, little girls home, Jerry. God's been good to us. Amen. Right? Got them little one. God has been good to us. I mean, that's all. It don't take, for the believer, you don't gotta look very far. Oh, God has been good to us. Got a new house. God. God's been good to me. Hallelujah. Woo! We'll make that assessment. Gonna make that assessment. Oh, God's been good. <laughs> And we express our appreciation to that assessment by responding and giving our best to God. You know, Jesus is our example how to live this life. He's the pattern son. And we're to follow and apply his life and his example. But sometimes, you know, it seems like people don't quite apply the pattern properly. I don't know if you've ever seen that before. These two little boys, one was five, one was three, two brothers, right? Mama's going to make um, pancakes, and so she's making Saturday morning pancakes, and they begin to get in a big argument over who's going to get the first pancake off the grill. Mama saw this might be an opportunity for for a little moral lesson, a life lesson, And, and she says, now, boys, boys, I don't know, but I think if Jesus were sitting here, he would say, now let my brother have the first pancake I can wait. Well, you know, at that age, the five-year-old is a little sharper and a little quicker than his three-year-old brother, so he's quick to say, um, immediately, okay, Ryan, you can be Jesus, you know. And I read that and I said, sometimes we're better at applying the word to someone else than ourselves. Can we say amen? You knew I've gone somewhere with that, amen? I mean, so sometimes it's good to say, you know, the Bible says, how oh, about pointing that baby right at yourself, amen? Point that gospel gun right in the mirror. Well, they so true. We're better at remembering principles of the Word for others. Say amen, say ouch, elbow the person next to you, do whatever, but amen. Let's know some characteristics of this commitment. We're still in verse 1, second part of verse 1. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, here it is, that we present, we're going to do something. The life I live, I'm offering my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Let's see that next slide. Go right to the next slide, if you would. Go right to that next slide. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Well, here we go. We're going to touch this five characteristics of this commitment now. We're talking about being living sacrifices. Something God has called, each one of us that are Christians, He calls us to live wholeheartedly. And number one, we're going to see as we as we, uh, we're going to develop this. It's a conscious commitment. Present, present. You present yourself. Just the same way you made a personal decision to receive Christ, you have to make a personal decision to wholeheartedly serve God. To be faithful, obedient as you walk with God. But secondly, we're going to see that it's a complete commitment. Because Paul is going to say, offer your body. And he does mean the physical body, but he means all of us. Beyond that, he means everything. Our will, our thoughts, etc. And number three, we're going to see that it's a costly commitment. But he says, it's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. Jesus sacrificed himself on the cross. And when we follow Christ, there's certain things we lay down. Certain things we endure if we follow Christ. So let's talk about this. In the second part of verse 1, Paul lays out the characteristics of what it means To be wholly committed to Jesus Christ. I'm going to stop here for a second. This is not in the notes, but I want you to hear this. Living the Christian life will help a whole lot if you fall in love with Jesus. If you fall in love with Jesus, you love his house. If you fall in love with Jesus, you consider it a privilege to serve him. If you fall in love with Jesus, you want to read the book. It's not a it's not a, a duty and a bondage. It's because what we love to do is easy. But we're not crazy about becomes a burden. You, amen. Amen. All right. It's not a burden to be with her, is it? Either you're not a burden, is it? It's a it's a joy. You see, when you love someone, it's not a burden. So I just want to back up and I'm going to begin to preach again. But the thing is, Lord, I've asked you in my heart, help me to fall in love with you. Because when I love you, Lord. Then I'm going to love your house, love your people. Then it's not going to be... No, 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 no. See, Alright. I just had to throw that in. That was a commercial. But you write it down and take it with you. Alright. Our commitment to Christ, number one, is a conscious commitment. The commitment to this level of Christian devotion to be a living sacrifice is conscious. As Paul writes present or offer and they say offer offer um, you and i choose this lifestyle no one else can choose it for us then we once we choose it we enforce it every day by carrying it out living for Christ to this measure and we've said this before here but it bears repeating that the key to successful christian living it's intentional it's not accidental it's intentional, not accidental. Things don't just happen intentionally. I make a determination. I'm going to honor God's house. I'm going to be faithful and read God's Word. I'm going to walk pure in this present generation that's crazy. And I'm going to serve God where He's called me. I make a decision to do that. This is what He's saying here. A living sacrifice is a commitment to Jesus and it's not something that evolves or just happens. It's an act that we are aware of when it happens. Again, it's a choice we're conscious of. Both our initial salvation, obviously it's a choice. We respond. We say yes to the Gospel. We come to Christ. But also to follow Him wholeheartedly with devotion and service. That is a choice we make. It's a decisive Determined choice to be sold out and not lukewarm. To be wholehearted and not half-hearted. Now the word here, present. Interesting word. But it was the word in the Old Testament that that was used. It was the technical term for the priest when they would bring the offering or they would lay the offering on the altar. It speaks of surrendering something. Giving up something. And, And it conveys the idea to us this morning of giving up what's in our hands. When we present our bodies as a living sacrifice, we're doing what the priests in the Old Testament did. We're making a conscious choice to sacrifice ourselves to God. We're making a choice. I'm going to live holy because of all that God did for me and how He shed His blood to forgive me. I'm not going back and living like that anymore. I'm going to live holy. And you know what? I'm going to serve faithfully how Jesus was faithful to die for me and to be so merciful. I'm going to live faithfully. I'm going to be consistent in this walk. And I'm going to give myself to Bible obedience because I know that's what Jesus has called me to. But it's a decision I make. These um, things don't come automatically. They, They don't come accidentally. But as we make the choice, that says I'm going to present my Father... I'm going to present myself to you. And I'm going to give you my very best. And if there's things that are not in line with the book, give me grace to lay them down. And if there's things I need to start doing that I've been neglecting, Lord, give me grace. I want to be a living sacrifice. That's what you've called me to. So number one, we recognize it's it's a conscious act. But secondly, it's a complete act. As Paul uses, um, present your your bodies. Give, Give your complete selves. Paul says body to imply the giving up to God of the whole person. The whole body, soul, and spirit. When I present my body to God, I'm presenting all of who I am. I'm not just saying, God, you can have me on Sunday. Or God, you can have this, but not that. I'm saying, Lord, I'm yours. Everything I got, everything I am. I give it over to you. Before we trusted Christ, we used our bodies, our time, our talents, our treasures, We use them for our own pleasures and our own purposes, but now that we belong to Him, we want to use our bodies for the glory of God. We want to use our bodies to carry out the cause of Christ. We want to use our bodies to serve God and to please God and to honor God in the earth. It's a privilege to glorify God in and through our bodies. Characteristics of this commitment of a living sacrifice. It's conscious. We make the decision, I'm going to Go all out for God. It's complete because God is saying, I'm looking for a living sacrifice, holy. It's holy and that it's pure, it's practical, and that it's a living sacrifice. It's not just a theoretical, religious thing. But thirdly, it's a costly sacrifice. The decision to really give your all to God is not completely inexpensive. It costs Jesus. When He went to that cross, the sacrifice, and if I really choose to live all up for Him, it's the narrow path as opposed to the broad. It's the Bible way as opposed to the way of this present age. It's the way of putting eternity before the temporal. And in that, at times, a living sacrifice is offering Himself and say, Lord, I'll do it Your way. And I'll obey Your call. And I'll put your eternal priorities before my temporal pleasures. It's costly in the sense that like it cost Jesus to do the whole will of the Father, at times it will re- obedience will require something of me. Anyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted at times. Second Timothy 3, Jesus said, as they treated me, they'll treat you. John 15. In fact, Paul says, we'll go through many pressings and trials on our way to the kingdom. It's just part of the journey of walking with Jesus and seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And we might, like the Lord, have to endure some rejection from the present fallen age. We might be misunderstood by those that don't know God or those that are not seeking God in the measure that we are. But it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's a conscious choice. A complete choice. It's a costly choice. And let me wrap up these last two. It's credible and it's constructive. What do you mean it's credible? Well, it's reasonable. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies holy, sacrifice, which is your reasonable, reasonable, reasonable service. Again, Paul's back to appealing to the logic and the common sense of God's call that His people be a sold-out people. It's reasonable. That's where we get the word logical. In the Greek, we get the word logical here. It's logical. It makes sense to serve God, this great God, wholeheartedly and with all that is within us. It just makes sense. If you think about all He's done and if you think about how long eternity will be, it just makes sense. It just makes sense. Go ahead and put my Scripture up. Put Romans 12, 1 and 2 up, please. Let's look at this. I beseech you therefore, brethren... By the mercies of God. God's calling you to respond to his mercies today. By giving yourself wholeheartedly. In your lives for him. In the church, out of the church, in the home, out of the church. That we present. That we're called to take and offer ourselves, our bodies, as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God. And he says, which is our reasonable. Reasonable. It makes reason. It, it's not unreasonable to live wholeheartedly for God. Amen? It's not unreasonable to love Him as He first loved us. It's, we get our word in that logical. It's just, it makes logic. It makes sense to respond. Eternity tells us it makes sense. The love of God says it makes sense. So it's reasonable, which is it's credible. But it's also constructive. But he uses that word service. Your your reasonable service. The, the, The outflow of such a life lived as a living sacrifice produces fruit. Sees a result. Makes a difference in their world. It produces not merely a ritual but a productive, obedient life. A living sacrifice fulfills God's plan and carries out. God's purpose. Hallelujah. Now let me wind up this last thought because we need this. Look at verse 2 and I'm going to sum it up very quickly. Here's our, here's, our, here's, our, here's our issue. Here's our issue. If I separate verses 1 and 2, I'm going to flop. If I attempt verse 1 and I don't implement verse 2, can't do it. Let me prove it to you. Don't raise your hand. How many times have you come to an altar? I'm going to get things right. I'm going to start serving like I ought to serve. Uh, I'm going to start being more consistent. I'm going to start living holy on the job instead of acting like one thing on the job and another. Right? We all have. Amen? There's all been times God tugs in our hearts and He wants a fresh consecration. Amen? So I don't know anyone that's really saved that hasn't. At one time or another said, Lord, yeah, that oh yeah, you're right, Lord. I, I need to I need to be getting with it a little better. Amen? I love you, Lord, but I need to jack up my consecration. Okay. All right. Now, if I do try one, verse one, and I don't apply verse two, it's going to wind up being very frustrating, and ultimately I'm going to fail. me put it like this. The dedicated life has to become a transformed life. Whereas verse one calls us to a decisive commitment. A fresh consecration, verse 2, is details or deals with the maintenance of that commitment. The carrying out, the staying strong in that commitment. If I don't follow through applying verse 2 in my life, there's not much chance that I'm going to be able to continue in verse 1. It's like one brother said out, it might have been David Jeremiah, he said the problem with living sacrifices, they tend to roll off the altar. We make that devotion and then I get busy with this, I get swayed with that, and before I know I'm off the altar again. I'm saved. I'm saved. But I'm not that living sacrifice presenting. There's a necessity of spiritual effort and diligence so I can continue to be that living sacrifice. Two thoughts here. Number one, Paul says, let us not be conformed to this world. But number two, let us be transformed by the Word. Amen? What happens is, and i got to do both of these. Number one, do not be conformed to this world. Don't be fashioned by the mentality, the affections, the appeals, the priorities of this present world that doesn't love God and doesn't believe in the Bible. Amen? Don't be pressed into its mold don't let it fashion your affections and your priorities after what the world applauds and says it. But no, no, no. So we have got to reject. If I'm going to be a living sacrifice, I've got to reject certain things that are trying to sway my thinking and capture my affections. Okay, I've got to reject them. But I can't if all I'm going to do is play defense. I'm going to lose sooner or later. Be not conformed. That's one part. Reject that. But, and we have, we, I, oh boy, I don't want some, some of you say amen too loud. But I, I've known a lot of Christians that are real good at rejecting the world, but not too good on receiving the word. They won't drink or smoke, but they're not a whole lot of love, joy, and peace. Because but we've got to have both here. See, so I don't do the transformation. The Holy Spirit does the transformation. But I do the things that release the Holy Spirit to transform me. Be not conformed to this world. If I'm going to be a living sacrifice and be consistent in this thing and not roll off the altar, I have to realize I have to reject a whole lot of um, philosophy of this age, the worldly views and perspectives of what's right and what's wrong, what's valuable, what's noble. I have to reject that. But rejecting is only part of it. As long as I reject it, that's great. But now I also have to receive that word. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. There'll be no transformation unless I learn to allow the Word of God to renew my mind, be hidden in my heart. Unless I learn how to take the Word of God in me and allow the Spirit of God to transform me. If I can do these two things, and they both, and listen, the Christian life that is sold out. These things are happening simultaneously every moment. of I don't, You're 90 years old this morning. You're, you're dealing with both of these things. You're rejecting fear. You're rejecting the world. You're rejecting. And at the same time, if you're growing, you're feeding on the Word. You're hiding the Word in your heart. You're living the Word. You're hearing the Word being preached. You're studying the Word in your devotional time. And both of these things have to go on if I'm going to live this life the way God's calling me to live to this next level. And what we tend to do is neglect one or the other. Where both are needed to bring the transformation. Do not be conformed, but be transformed. So there are certain things i got to reject. i got to renounce. But don't stop there. I also have to allow my mind to be renewed as I receive the Word of God. As I receive... The Spirit of God allowing it to transform. One is not enough. I do both, and the transformation takes place. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. God's calling us to be living sacrifices. He's saying, you've received my Son wonderful. You've given your heart to Jesus wonderful. Now, if you've really done that and you really understand what all that means and what happened and how wonderful and undeserving that great salvation is, therefore, respond by giving Him your very best. Serve Him wholeheartedly. Live obediently. Live pure. Be faithful. Don't just go through the motions. But respond to God today. Respond as one that has made that assessment. And it's allowing their lives to show forth the appreciation. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, Lord, speak to us. Oh, God, touch us. And then when I come to the altar, I recognize when I get back up, if I'm going to keep that commitment strong, I've got to, I got to, I got to reject this and receive that. I've got to learn and develop these godly habits that reject the world and its philosophy and its affections and all that stuff. And I've got to learn how to feed on the Word of God so I can stay strong and stay healthy and stay flowing in my commitment. Stand with me, please. We're going to open and close in the prayer and open this altar. I want to open the altar. If you need to make a fresh commitment to God, make that fresh commitment to God. If you just need to come and have someone pray with you because you're going through something, then do it. But hear the voice of God. Let me quote this last quote. Andy Stanley said to his congregation, he said, Folks, you can spend the rest of your lives making promises, filling out commitment cards, and talking to counselors. But Paul's words are very clear. Unless you renew your minds... You won't be transformed. And things will stay pretty much the way they are. Let's make a response to the Lord this morning. Wherever we're at in God, there's a higher place to go. There's a greater measure of devotion to give. His grace is sufficient. He's been so good to us. Let's make that altar. If you need prayer, if you just need someone to come around you and pray with you, Take this opportunity. Father, in the name of Jesus, help us to respond as we ought to the great salvation you've given us. Father, we didn't deserve it. You've been so good, so kind, so full of mercy. Lord, when we went astray, in your mercy, you found us. You drew us back. You kept us, Lord, from so many things that would have just damaged us all, Lord. And help us, Father, to think. Meditate on the great mercies you've poured out on our lives. Help us to respond properly to them. To live out our life as a response to the mercy and the goodness of God. And I pray, Father, that within the sound of my voice, there'd be no half-hearted believers. There'd be no moral compromise. But that each one of us, would offer ourselves afresh as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you. And that we would walk it out as we go through life. Now, Father, bless this time at the altar. Breathe your breath of life on your people. Let the wind of the Spirit blow life and refreshing. Honor those that respond in faith. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Let's sing this song one time through, and if you need to come, obey the Lord.